Our, our scripture, we're going to take a look at it in a moment. It's Colossians 3, 1 through 3, that we're going to continue today for at least one more, but I, I think we're going to be going today and next week as well. This is just Amen. the Lord's opening it up. But before I do, let me share a brief announcement. Have you uh, started rolling, Diane? Because I'm going to make that, make an announcement. Um, listen, Mark... The 10th or the 11th? What, what is it? 11th. Thank you. I knew somebody would know it. That's a little trick. You know, when you go to pastor school, they teach you how to do that. You act like you don't know what's going on. You see if anyone in the congregation knows what's going on. So it's, praise God. So look, we're going to have a wonderful, wow. Felt a little stiff in my back, but I didn't realize it when I turned. It was, feel better though, I have to admit. Um, so on the 11th of December, which is a Sunday, immediately following the service, we are going to have our annual um, Thanksgiving and Christmas fellowship dinner. It's going to be at the lovely estate of Terry and Helen Burchard, and we just always have a great time. They have a big house with lots of areas to meet and gather, and then the outside grounds are fun for kids. And, Please bring, feel free to bring guests. Just when you prepare food, prepare for the guests that you're bringing, unless they want to bring some food too. Um, but uh, it, it's a great time for us to get to know one another, first of all. And I, I would like to encourage you. Um, <clears throat> you know, we always want to hang out with people that we're very familiar with and we, we chat and talk with. But occasions like that, we need to understand them for what they are. There are opportunities to get to know somebody that you don't know that well and uh, to move around and make those connections. And that, did you know that the Bible actually devotes a chapter to doing that? It does. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, you know, the various members of the body are assorted with, with various purposes and things, and the eye just can't hang out with the eyelashes all day long. It's got to get to know the feet, and it's got to get to know the spleen, the liver's got to know the mouth. But um, at any rate, so that, that's what I want to encourage you to bring a side dish and bring a dessert, enough to share. And the church is going to supply the ham, the hickory smoked, oh, haven't eaten anything yet. Um, the ham, it's going to be great, but for few people don't, uh, don't enjoy ham and bacon just yet. So we do bring a bucket of chicken for those people, praise the Lord. And if that doesn't get it, I'm sure there'll be something. There's always pies and things like that, praise God. So you'll want to bring a side dish plus a dessert to share, and we will have a great time. And if you've got family members or friends you've been wanting to invite to church and haven't been able to get them, it's this is a great opportunity to do that. A neighbor, bring them and say, look, our church is having a little fellowship and, and hang out and eat and everything, and we'd love to have you come. It's a great opportunity. All right, so Diane, that's it for the announcement. Now, back to what? I haven't gotten the hand signals down yet. Go ahead and just say it. Scotty. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for the renewing of the mind. I thank you, Lord, for the Spirit giving me a fresh mind that remembers things today. We want all together 
to wish a love-filled happy birthday to our dear Scotty Sayer. Happy birthday, Scotty. God bless you. We are blessed to have you, Maureen. We love you. You're a blessing to us, have been for many years, and, and we just bless you and pray for you on your birthday that the Lord will fill you with great and good things as, as you have us, and we appreciate you. All right, thank you. Are there any other secret little code things? I know that one. All right, back to our message. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> If you then have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, the spiritual world, which the Bible refers to as, as above, is the domain of God. Let's just say that so that you understand. The spiritual world is the domain of God. The physical world, which the Bible refers to as beneath, is the domain of man. So we have the domain of God. We call heaven. We call it above. We're going to be referring to it as above. The scripture I just read, you have been seated above with Christ. Seek the things that are above. And the physical world, or beneath, or the earth, is the domain of man. Now, God created man in his image and likeness to be the steward over the physical domain. In an extension of uh, his relationship with man, man was to rule and reign over the physical world. So this answers a whole bunch of questions that, that uh, millions of people have been asking. Why do bad things happen in the world? The world don't forget this, is the domain of man. And we'll fill that out a little bit as we go along. The spirit realm, the domain of God. Now, the, the world or beneath and the spirit world or God's domain above once shared a common boundary through the relationship between God and Adam. There was an overlap. There was a boundary. And the earth was blessed as a territory of above. So the earth was a territory of above. And, but um, man rebelled against God, broke that relationship, and separating the world from above. And that's where the separation took place. That docking or overlap ceased to exist. God was still the world's creator, but he had given authority to man. Man had dominion over the earth, and now the governor of the world, man, was alone without God. And in fact, when that separation took place, man was stripped of his awareness of God's domain. He was stripped of his awareness of that relationship, and he fell into a state of, and I want you to catch this phrase because I, I think there's great revelation in it, he fell into a state of existence looking for life. And when you think about the world, and when you study history, you just look at culture, look at the world around you, 
everyone is in a state of existence looking for life. They say it, their songs declare it, their poetry declares it. People say it all the time. They go into college saying, I'm looking for life. They come out of college saying, I'm looking for life. Uh, they get married saying, I think I found life. And a few years later, I'm looking for life. People are in search of life because they're only merely existing. They have been separated from God. And so because of that separation, they're stripped of the awareness of life. So Jesus came to restore that relationship. And here today, I'm going to begin to share with you seven truths from above that have been lost in the world down here, but are available to us through Jesus Christ. And these seven truths from above are to help you work, to help you work that relationship between the reality of the physical world and the reality of above. So these seven truths are meant to help you transcend what the world says is real and take hold of what is real in the presence of God. So if you're ready, number one, and if you're taking notes and writing these down, great. If not, I can send you the outline. But truth number one, reality begins with a person, not an environment. If you think about it, the world is constantly overemphasizing its environment, worshiping its environment, scared to death that they're not going to survive or live because their environment's going to change. In fact, people have breakdowns if their environment changes, but re reality does not begin with an environment. Reality begins with a person. So when you think about above, don't think of the coordinates of a location, but think about the authority of God. Above is designed not by dimension, but by authority. Wherever God's authority is, that is above. That is where his presence is. So reality begins with a person, not an environment. When Jesus spoke about above, that's why he never spoke about a location. He always spoke about the Father. When he spoke about above, he was referring to the Father and the Father's dominion. And in James chapter 1, verse 17, James says, Every good and every perfect gift comes from where? Above. Comes from above, coming down from the Father. So when it comes from above, it's what? Coming from the Father. It's not some spirit being, an angel. Angels in the Old Testament and in the New Testament would bring the gifts, would bring the deliverances, would bring the things, but they came from God. So heaven or above is God. And that's where every good and perfect gift descends from. So heaven is, uh, the reality of heaven is a, the reality of a person, not a place. Above is not a location. It's not somewhere else. It's someone else. And so therefore, above is the capital of reality. Want to put that down. Above is the capital of reality. There's a great battle and a struggle today between the concept of ultimate re uh, um, uh, truth or reality 
or transcendent truth. In other words, truth that's always changing, truth that's always morphing. There is no absolute reality or absolute truth, but that isn't true. The only place where beings think that is in the world, and there's a reason for them thinking that way in the fallen world. But above, everything is fixed and never changes. It is perfect, and it's not evolving. So there is absolute truth and absolute reality. Now, when Jesus spoke of beneath, or he spoke of the world, he again was not referring to the globe, or the earth, or the environment, or any of those things. He wasn't speaking or thinking of dimensions. When Jesus spoke of beneath, he was talking about the devil. And he was talking about man who is in league with the devil in a rebellion against God. Did you know that? Did you know that mankind and Satan are in an alliance of rebellion against God? That is exactly what happened 6,000 years ago that thrust the earth into the state that it's in. Why is the world in the state that it's in? Because it is separated from God. It is under the dominion of the devil. So Jesus, very accurately, if you really study the Gospels and you read the Gospels and read the supporting texts of the epistles, you'll see that Jesus was very plain and gave us a lot more information than people think about the spiritual reality, heaven above, and the world. By the way that he spoke about those things, if you listen carefully, he'll tell you Beneath, or the world, is the devil and mankind. That's what's important. So, for example, all of the crazy uh, um, people that uh, are running around with their hair on fire uh, trying to save the planet are completely missing the problem. They need to be saving themselves because the world, the earth as a location, is not going anywhere. It's not passing away. God's got that. But we are in transition. So when Jesus spoke of beneath, he referred to it as Satan or as man. So God is the reality of above. Satan and fallen man is the reality of the world or sets the tone or the reality of the world. And that's why the reality from above has more authority than the reality in the world. So you want to get that. The reality of above is more real than the reality. This reality is fixed. This reality is morphous and always changing and never consistent. John chapter 3, verse 31 says... He that comes from above is above all. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 10 says, Jesus ascended up far above all the atmospheric heavens so that he may fill all things. So the domain of God fills all things. We're talking now about authority. So God in his authority has everything contained and he's working out his plan. So here's a little fun thought for you to just kind of stick in there. When you think of Jesus sitting in heaven, think of heaven sitting in Jesus. 
so that when you think of yourself as being in Christ, you'll realize why Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within. Number two, live from above. Truth number two, live your life from above. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If you have then been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. And where is he? Above. So your life is hidden with Christ above. And then James 1, we're pretty familiar with it. It says in verse 16 and 17, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. So look, <clears throat> your life is above. You need to live from above. As a child of God, above, or as a child, let me call you a child of above. You're a child of above. And so as a child of above, you're much more than just a forgiven sinner. That's what you look like to the world in the world, just a forgiven sinner with a do-over. But in reality, from above's perspective, as a child of above, you're much more than that. You are a new species. God created man, divided them, male and female. But he never created another human being until Jesus rose from the dead. And you became a new species. You're something different. When you walk around, if you could put on, you know those, Danny, those real cool night vision goggles? You could see stuff that is in the dark. I know you got, we were messing around with them. So um, imagine spirit vision goggles. Slap those bad boys on and you can see the heavenly domain as clearly as you can see. If you were to slap those things on and go down to a shopping mall, all the unsafe people would just look like black cutouts. No life, no light. They're dark. They're existing. They're actually dead. They just haven't fallen over yet. But every time you saw a child from above, you would clearly see them. You'd see everything about them. They are full of light. Light would be coming from their eyes. They are a different species. So you're more than a forgiven sinner. You're a new species with a new citizenship. You have been translocated, praise the Lord. And that new citizenship furnishes you with access privileges to the inheritance of Jesus Christ, who made the way and took you with him in his resurrection. So the good things of the world, we work very hard for the good things of the world. Now, I'm not going to lie. I work hard for the good things. Of the, I like the good things of the world. I've had crummy things. I just traded in a thing that I was very thankful for, but it was broke down and crummy for a brand new shiny good thing. And I love it. I can't, I can't run enough errands. Honey, do you need something? Do you need something from Walmart? Good, I get to go get my new truck and drive up there. Before, for a long time, I want to park around the block when I go to the pastor's meetings. <laughs> so at any rate, you get the idea. The good things of the world, they're good in a certain context, 
but they don't last. They, they all fall apart. Jesus told us they would rust and fall apart. Whether we're talking about material things or even relationships, promises, acquisitions, achievements, they, you can't take them with you. They all turn to dust. But the good things from above, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Those things are eternal and they never fail. Every gift God gets does not wear out. It doesn't have a time stamp on it. It uh, doesn't wear out. It doesn't need fresh batteries. It's eternal. Beginning with His Word. His Word is eternal, all-powerful, never diminishes in authority. So live above. Live your life from above. That's where all the good stuff is, the things that don't wear out. Brings me to number three. Learn above in order to live above. If you want to, as a Christian, well, how do I live above? Learn above. Talking about studying the Word. And not just reading the words. Because Jesus told the Pharisees, the letter kills. But the Spirit gives life. If through the Holy Spirit, with a hungry, thirsty heart, you begin to seek God in the pages of the Bible. And listen to other believers. Listen to what God is saying in the body. Put it all together. Learn about above. Study above. Learn the geography of above. Learn how above works, how it's organized. There's a lot to learn about God's domain. And if it's the place where our life truly is, don't you think you and I ought to know more about it than we do about this place? If you only use the world's wisdom, you're always going to end up ruled by the world. Let me say it again. I don't care if you, I don't care if you went to Columbia University. I don't care if you got a PhD in whatever. If all you attain in this life is the world's wisdom, you will live your life and you will end up ruled by the world. You'll never escape the world. The wisdom of the world is designed to keep you in the world. But if you learn how things operate above, you'll live with the benefits of above. But you're not going to have, you know, Christians are always praying and then get mad or upset or disillusioned when the benefits of God's promises don't show up in their life, but they never spend time learning about above. You see, you need to go up there and get it instead of down here always begging for it, but not interested enough to live there where your life really is, to live in the presence of God. So if you learn how to operate above, you'll live with the benefits of above. In other words, what I'm really saying is learn relationship, not religion. Amen. Religion is the world's view of God. Relationship is God's view of us. Learn above. The world's wisdom is based on science. You know what science is. How many of you paid attention when you were in, took science classes in, in school? People live by what they observe. They study what they see, and then they live by it. They extrapolate from what they see the laws that they depend upon. 
But the wisdom that's from above observes a higher reality. And that wisdom calls things as God sees them. If you only use that degree that you got by learning the world, you're going to stay in bondage and you're going to live a limited life. You'll never break out of existence and really live. If you want life and peace and those good gifts, learn about above. Because there is a higher reality in above. And that reality isn't based on a learning curve. It's based on what is. Did you know why God called himself the I am? It's because I am gets to say what is. And he wanted Moses to know, you can rely on my word. Whatever I say, you can rely on it because it is what it is. Romans 4 and 17, that wonderful scripture talks about Abraham who had the promised son, Isaac, at 99 years old and his wife was 90, gives a little look at how that was accomplished. Quite miraculous. It starts with God, and it says, God, who gives life to the dead, calls those things that be not as though they were. Why does God do that? Because God is not operating from the world's wisdom. He's operating from his own wisdom. God's not operating by science. He's operating by what is. And so when God says something is, it doesn't matter whether you see it. It doesn't even matter if it hasn't been born yet. That's what the prophets were in the Old Testament. They were saying what is before it was. Was it any less true? It was true. Hallelujah. And so I like the way the Amplified gives that verse. The same verse, Hebrews 4.17, Amplified says, God who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. That's what God is doing. God's not arbitrarily just saying things on a whim, elbowing the angel next to him saying, get a load of this, watch this, I'm going to say something. And No, no, God has a perfect plan and he never deviates from that plan. So he knows what he has planned, but he speaks ahead of time before those plans show up here in the world. He speaks to you and tells you things about them. They're coordinates for you to follow. They're coordinates of life. They're the lights on the runway so you could bring your life in for a landing without killing yourself. Hallelujah. You know, too many Christians exist entirely on the wisdom of the world. And they're living in defeat while their life is waiting for them to begin it above. It really is a tragedy <clears throat> that when we go into a graveyard, we're not just looking at the graves of people who lived during a span of time and died, but we're also looking at a graveyard full of dreams that were never born, full of realities that were never accessed, full of things that God had planned for people and they were never experienced because they never reached up above and took hold of them. They didn't believe them. And <clears throat> when you are totally earthly minded and you only learn the worldly way of thinking and then God says something to you, 
you have a tendency to not believe it, to set it aside and not pursue it. But if you knew who was speaking, he said to the woman at the well, if you knew who was telling you about the living water, you'd ask me for water and I would give it to you. And thank God she pursued him and she asked. So too many Christians, as I said, live entirely on the world's wisdom and they live defeated lives. But their life is waiting for them above. And Romans 8 and 6, just to kind of cap off this point about to, to live above, you must learn above. Romans 8, 6 says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. God wants to give you life and peace, but you need to put some time into studying above. We want the benefits, the good gifts. We want those things. But to have them, we have to have the wisdom that comes from above. That means we should study. Ask yourself, when I'm in a conflict and I'm in a struggle and I'm being confronted by a trial, do I know more about the problem than I do about the answer? Because the answer comes from above. And God wants us to be equipped. He wants us to know where above is. He wants us to know who it is. He wants us to know that we are there. He wants us to know our place, our access. He wants us to know the things that make above superior and the reality of above. Are you more aware of the reality of your trial than you are the reality of your answer? There is the point where we miss the opportunities to turn, to turn trials into victories. God wants you to have life and peace, so study above. One more, and uh, <clears throat> this, is, uh, this isn't long, but uh, it's important. Stay single-minded, number four, to stay above. If you want to abide above, be single-minded. In Deuteronomy 28, 13, God said to his people, <clears throat> as Moses was about to lead them and bring them to the promised land, he said, you shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. You see, for us, we're above and beneath every other day. Sometimes we change five, six times during a day. We vacillate up and down. We straddle two worlds. But God said, you shall be above only continuously <clears throat> and you shall not be beneath. What was he saying? There is a very significant reason why God told Moses that his people should only be above. And it's because oscillating between above and the world causes you to forfeit the heavenly victory and sink into your trials. That, there's no big mystery about it. That is exactly why we sink into our trials. That is exactly why we sink into defeat. We forfeit the victory because we jump back and forth across the fence. God said, tell my people, 
jump over and stay over. Nail up that door. Don't go back. Don't be like Lot's wife who looked back. Be single-minded. Don't be double-minded. That's the reason. In James 1 and verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. In other words, <clears throat> if you don't know what's going on, if you don't know how to solve the problem, God's never upset with you. He wants you to ask, but he wants you to ask ready to take the advice and stop living with that bad advice you've been following. Take the good gift, drop the junk. So he says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. God will generously give it to you without reproach, and it will be given to you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let me just pause for a moment and say, that means let him ask from above. When it says ask in faith means he is asking or she is asking from her position above. I'm asking, believing that I'm seated in a place of qualification. I have a right to ask God and expect an answer even if I have to wait a long time for it, I believe that God will bring that answer. And so asking in faith means asking from above without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed and driven back and forth by the wind. For that person must not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord because they are double-minded and unstable in all their ways. What is the worst thing that a Christian can be? Unstable, vacillating, back and forth. Trusting in the world, then trusting God. Trusting in the world, then trusting God. Looking to the world's wisdom, then looking for God's wisdom. Now, when you seek the wisdom of God, God will oftentimes point you to wisdom in the world and say, that's good advice, do it. All the wisdom of the world's not bad. All the wisdom of the world's not wrong. It's, there's just nobody sorting it out. It's tossed up and people just grab it and stuff it into their lives however they can, thinking, I saw this on a commercial, this will work for me. The wisdom from above works because it's not just an assortment of ideas and facts. God has sorted them all out and arranged them and he speaks that very rhema direct word to you that's perfect for your situation. People that run around with the Bible and have memorized the whole thing and just arbitrarily grabbing verses and sticking them into things in their life live in confusion because half their prayers get answered, half of them go unanswered. Above is not a location, it's a person, it's God. And so the wisdom that comes from above comes from allowing God to tell you how to apply his word, and what and where to apply it. So that's why God said, tell my people, be above. He didn't say, tell them to read their Bibles and learn it and memorize it. Anything wrong with that? No. But that's not where wisdom comes from. Wisdom doesn't come from you taking the Bible and figuring that you're the engineer and you can put all this stuff together. Now, most of the stuff in the Bible is pretty simple, and like I said, 
There's nothing inherently wrong about a lot of the wisdom that's in the world. It's just not directed. Would you ever go to your doctor for a checkup and just tell the nurse, oh, tell, tell doc, he doesn't have to bother with me today. I'll just go into the medicine cabinet and help myself. Everything's here. I don't have to bother him. Hey, I won't get a big bill. No, nobody does that. The doctor knows how to write a prescription to take exactly what applies to you in your situation. But first, he's got to work with you and talk with you. And that's where that wisdom comes from. It's called relationship as opposed to religion. Religion is you standing in the world looking at God, trying to figure it all out. Relationship is you sitting on your father's knee and letting him talk to you and point you in the right direction. Praise the Lord. So we're going to close this up. As a child of above, constantly shifting your trust between the wisdom from above and that of the world, it, it subjects you to the arbitrary outcomes of the world. That's why sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. If God is above, if there is an above and, the, and God is above, he deserves your single-minded faithfulness. Don't be double-minded. Be single-minded. If you don't know a lot, you can help yourself just by being committed, saying, Lord, I need to learn about above. Teach me. And if you're patient, he will give you that wisdom. He will teach you. I have seen more young Christians who do so much with the little bit that they do know about the Lord because they're simply faithful with it. They're single-minded about it. And then I know other people who've been saved and walking with the Lord for decades. And the older they get, the bigger the ditch they dig for themselves because they have learned by experience to just run their own game. Hallelujah. But we don't want to do that. We want to live above. Amen. All right. I want you to close your Bible. We're going to put a pause on this. Come back next week and we will deal with points five, six, and seven in the truths from above. Stand with me.